I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, Texas, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. If you were listening at the onset of the program today, you will have heard me say that I'm only like 75% in the game today. It's because. My young sister is today expected to give birth to her third uh, baby son. And right now, I can assure you that there are Lonsberries all around the country who are dialed into their cell phones right now. And every little buzz and beep uh, gets our attention pulled away just to see uh, when that young baby boy is born. And we're also waiting to hear on a name. That's a a little tradition in the family, kind of hold off on sharing the name until the baby's born. So we're looking forward to a a healthy baby boy uh, and uh, a name. So that's uh, that's where I am today. Uh, But I'm here with you in some degree as well, of course, you know. Got to do my job and all. Uh, And I want to talk to you for the next little bit about uh, uh, some fascinating and head-shaking news to come from San Francisco. Uh, Producer Amy shared this headline with me yesterday, and it reads, San Francisco to rename Abraham Lincoln High School because former president did not demonstrate that, quote, black lives mattered to him. What? San Francisco Unified School District, they have a renaming committee, which first off, why does that exist? That committee has decided that Abraham Lincoln High School will be renamed. And that's one of just 40 some odd schools in that district that will also have the names affixed to their institutions changed. Some of the names coming down include George Washington, Herbert Hoover, and Senator Dianne Feinstein. Now, set, set politics aside for a second. You know, f- forget uh, you know what what you may feel about uh, Senator Feinstein today. W- what we do know, regardless of politics, is that there is a very healthy group of individuals who have been supportive uh, enough of Dianne Feinstein to since the like late seventies. To vote for her as their representative, either as mayor of San Francisco for what was it, a decade and then for uh, many, many years afterwards, vote her repeatedly uh, back to Washington to serve as their United States senator. After all of those elections, after all of those uh, victorious elections for Senator Feinstein, somehow now the uh, what's the group again? Yeah, whatever the renaming 
Coalition Committee. The San Francisco Unified School District's renaming committee has decided that uh, her name is unworthy of hanging on the side of an elementary school. Now, believe you me, when I woke up this morning, I did not anticipate finding myself defending Dianne Feinstein. Uh, I'm not typically in that business. But that's how off the wall uh, these folks are. And this is how far it has been taken when it comes to the renaming of uh, certain buildings around this country. Why is it happening? Hmm? I thought this morning as I was trying to answer that question in my own mind about the, the March of Dimes. Bear with me. Uh, You'll see what I'm talking about in just a second. In 1938, President Roosevelt, Franklin D. Roosevelt, uh, founded the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis. That's the organization that then uh, got the nickname March of Dimes. And that organization was formed by President Roosevelt in 38 to combat polio, specifically to work towards uh, a polio vaccine. And we've talked about Jonas Salk on this program before. Jonas Salk uh, put his mind to the task and ultimately came up with a vaccine for polio. A vaccine that was so successful that it effectively eradicated polio from the population. Now, the question is, with the goal set by the March of Dimes to eradicate polio, what is the role of March of Dimes once polio is eradicated? Well, nothing. Right? If you've met your goal... Why continue to exist? Well, March of Dimes had to ask themselves that question. This organization had to ask themselves that question. And instead of, you know, continuing to fight for a polio vaccine, which had been found, they simply uh, changed their approach. They dedicated themselves uh, to other efforts. Now, there is uh, an intense focus on uh, the prevention of premature birth. And maternal mortality. They have a new goal. But that's not what happened uh, in the case of those who would seek to tear down the names which adorn the sides of uh, buildings and institutions and schools around this country. And listen, you you might in your mind be drawing parallels between uh, some of the stories that we have seen here in Utah as of late. It was just earlier this week we learned that uh, the the board at Dixie State University had voted to recommend to the legislature that they change the name of Dixie State University. That decision and that vote, uh, which I'll remind you, uh, it included a vote by uh, Dave Clark, former speaker of the Utah House. He described uh, his thinking when he approached that vote along the lines of looking forward to the university's future and the well-being in terms of employment uh, of former students. Those who are off into the workplace now applying for jobs, having to do so with the, you know, with the resume bearing Dixie State University. Some of the findings to come back after a survey show that there uh, have been great challenges posed. And so there is a practical reason. There's a practical reason for changing that name. In San Francisco, it's a whole other story. In San Francisco, there is now a school district that believes that Abraham Lincoln 
The president who likely held this country together, preventing it from tearing itself in part. The president who signed the Emancipation Proclamation. The president whose image is on our currency. Honest Abe, the president who was assassinated while serving the American people. Abraham Lincoln is now not good enough for those in San Francisco, at least those members of this uh, renaming coalition. It's a heartbreaking thing, and I wonder sometimes, uh, going back to the comparison with the March of Dimes, if it is, instead of, uh, you know, a genuine act, an honest and earnest act of, you know, doing something right, I wonder if it is flailing for relevance. I wonder if those uh, who are engaged in this type of action, those who are calling for different names to come down, uh, once they're able to, uh, you know, abolish Braves from the Bountiful High School, once Cleveland changes its baseball team, away from the Indians, once Dixie is no longer known as Dixie State University, they look around and say, oh, shoot, what's next? We need to go a little bit further. We need to push the envelope uh, a little bit further. Why? So we can maintain these headlines. And so you and I end up having conversations just like this. I guess the best we can do here is uh, remember that Abraham Lincoln uh, did much good and that the uh, buildings, schools, and institutions that bear his name uh, that we attend uh, that we will continue to support that. All right, that's enough rant and raving. You want to weigh in on this? Five seven five zero zero. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Uh, you heard me mention at the beginning of the segment that we are uh, watching out for the newest member of our family to be born, and I'm happy to report that it has happened. Uh, the text messages are coming in now. I'm going to take a break. Take a look at my new nephew in the pictures here coming via text. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about firearms, specifically firearms in the U.S. Capitol. I mean exactly that. Firearms, guns, inside the United States Capitol. Who has them and why? We'll discuss it next on Live Mike. Emily Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.